What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, April 18th, 2022, and this week's episode, a full plate of MMA. We'll be talking about a very packed weekend in mixed martial arts. We'll talk about UFC Vegas 51, the welterweight bout between Vicente Luque and Bilal Muhammad, as well as some of the highlights from the undercard. Spoiler alert, a lot of controversy. Then we'll talk about Bellator 277 and the insane end to both matches. And I think a lot of surprises coming out of that. And then we'll talk about the week coming up. It is literally a full slate. If I'm not mistaken, the first time we've actually had UFC, not only one, but two Bellator events, the return of the PFL, and not for nothing, even one championship is in action this week. So as we said, a full plate of MMA. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Double G, happy belated Easter. Did uh, did you did you go hunting for Easter eggs, anything cool like that, or did you keep it low-key? Respectfully, I got back from San Jose Saturday. I was still tired Sunday. My celebration of Easter was, uh, you know, sitting on that couch and not going much further, if I'm being quite <laughs> honest with you. But it was I good. Wish, yeah, I wish I had done the same. <laughs> I will say, I, 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 I wish I'd, you know... It's a good, those chocolate uh, Easter bunnies are really delicious and I didn't take advantage this year. I'm very, I'm a little disappointed. You, everything good? Yeah, everything double duty. I uh, both, both grandmas, uh, you know, so it was, it was an exhausting day, but I had a good cheesecake at the end that my sister made and I kind of, kind of made up for all the, uh, all the hustle and bustle. So I'm good. Well, there you go. And I know you got your little Easter bunny Joe there with you. So that's always, always lovely. Yeah. Uh, Natalie, we've got a lot to discuss, so let's get right into the, you know, the eggs and baskets of uh, this fine weekend. <laughs> um, the rematch, so we're going to work backwards, so we're going to start with UFC on Saturday. Uh, the rematch, Vicente Luque taking on Bilal Muhammad, um, I think played out, when you talk about five-round fights and how much time it was spent on the feet, I don't think a lot of people saw those two things happening ending with the decision victory for Bilal Muhammad. I was very impressed with his approach in that fight. I think that he was patient. I think he had his shot selection. He had moments where he kind of had to hold his ground and, you know, step into the fire against a very tough guy and a very dangerous guy we know in Vicente. And Bilal Muhammad, it just felt like he was, he got all the things he needed. He won more exchanges. He got those takedowns seemingly every round. It always turns the tide, always. Everything cutting away at Luque's gas tank. Luque made him work for it. He landed some good shots. He made sure Bilal was wearing it on his face. But that was just a very complete performance from Bilal Muhammad. Was it the most exciting? Oh, you know, they threw a little bit of caution to the wind and just, you know, let, let me bang, bro. No, it wasn't like that, but I think that that's still very important because if you're talking about Bilal and you're talking about Vicente, you can't just walk in there expecting to bang with Kamaru, Colby, uh, now, you know, Hamza Chimaev, and expecting you're going to get that W. You got to go out there with the full arsenal because all three of those guys are very dangerous, all three of those guys well-rounded, all three of those guys great gas tanks, so... I think to have this kind of performance, it was just huge for Bilal. So just very impressed. Um, like I said, uh, when you see as much time as they spent on the feet, I really thought Luque was going to get it done. So 
full props to Mr. Muhammad. He really did impress me there. Same here. I, you know, full disclosure, I didn't watch this fight live and I was already aware of the results when I actually sat down to watch it. So I thought, oh, okay, it's just going to be, you know, a holding against the cage on the ground performance by Bilal Muhammad, but not at all. Uh, exactly right as far as providing the unexpected. He was really good on his on his feet, especially in the first two rounds. I mean, he was landing all his shots, moving laterally the whole fight. You know, and uh, Dominic Cruz and and DC were 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 commenting on that and how effective that strategy was against Luke. Really impressed with Bilal Muhammad. He, you know, yeah, it wasn't like a barn burner fight, but it was way more exciting than I would have expected before the fight even happened. It was way more exciting than I expect than I would have expected even coming into it knowing the result. So this was a big moment for him. He basically neutralized Vicente Luque. You know, there was round three where Luque got those those left hooks in there and, and stunned Bilal a little bit. Even had a little bit of success in round two and round four, excuse me. Uh, and so, you know, you either had it three one going into the fifth or two two. And um Muhammad stayed the course. What I really liked is that he used his stand-up effectively and didn't rely, you know, heavily on his on his takedowns. He he just waited patiently till he found the right moment, and most of those moments came towards the end of the round. So round one and two in particular, he didn't take Luke down till 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 you know, a minute left on the clock around there, which made it a very diverse and and uh, entertaining fight. I was I was pleased. I hope. I expect that this is going to keep him in the conversation at the top. And, um, you know, Luque succumbed to or fell, fell victim to a really excellent strategy by Bilal Muhammad. He he just they had the, the perfect game plan for him and Bilal stuck to it. And he got a great win. I think this is a good moment for him. What more can you say? Yeah, uh, I think a real big key for this fight is that I think Bilal really was looking to kind of, not to use a wrestling term, but literally get over with the fans. And I think he needed that signature win. And when you look at it, you know, his last few, uh, Diego Lima, I mean, I believe Diego is retired right now. So that one, you know, loses some steam. Damian Maya, respectfully Damian, at this stage of his career, you know, Bilal should be getting that win. Yeah. Wonder Boy, he impressed, but I think people are starting to feel like, hey, you know, is is Wonder Boy turning now into Wonder Man at this stage <laughs> oh, of his career? You, you get what I'm saying, you know? I do. I, I believe, respectfully, look, I know he's uh, drinking from the fountain of youth, but uh, Stephen Thompson's 39. Yeah. I think people forget he's he's pushing 40, so... I think that there was like, well, okay, Bilal's doing good. Yeah, but it's... No, this is a guy who went out there, starched Tyron Woodley, choked out Michael Chiesa, was the backup for the title fight, knew he probably... If he looked good, he could probably get that next title shot if they commit to Hamzad and Colby, depending on the timing. And Bilal Muhammad went out there and performed well. Bilal's been improving over the course of his career. And similar to guys like Volk, even Max Holloway a bit. Um, certainly guys like, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on someone important right now. Uh, Leon Edwards, who's also in the division. You know, it, it wasn't a a rocket ship ascent. He kind of had to take the long way to the top of the division, right? But yeah. he's certainly there after this one. I believe this is, let me count on one, two, three, seven. 
eight fights without a loss. The Leon Edwards was a no contest and, you know, two week notice and that happens. I, I let it go at this point. Yeah. Um, so what, what, where do we go from here with uh, Bilal? Uh, I think that the real thing is, once again, this is all about timing and matchmaking. Hamzat probably wants a title shot straight up. Colby probably doesn't want Hamzat. The UFC, I think they see an opportunity to really catapult Hamzat Shmaev with the win over Colby. Um, there's a lot of moving pieces right there. I, I feel like Bilal, it, he knows he needs to take one of the two guys out or the loser of Kamaru Usman and Leon. Now, if Leon loses, I think that's a great opportunity for Bilal because you don't have to worry about matchmaking and getting the Colby fight, getting the Hamzat fight. Um, Leon, you got to think maybe depending on how quick they get that fight with Usman happening, then that might all line up for everybody. But for Bilal, I think it's going to be a little bit of a wait. Um, I don't know how much he wants to sit on the sidelines or if he wants to get back in there, but... I think that a lot of things have to go your way right now if you do want to get that um, that title eliminator. Because I think that just saying, hey, put me back in there, give me Hamzat or Kobe tomorrow, those guys are not on his schedule. And I think right. that they're not going to be for a couple months because they want to see if there's a bigger opportunity that's going to materialize if they wait, which is good business. But for fans who just want to see this keep rolling obviously it gets more frustrating yeah that's exactly right colby and, and hamzat there's nothing in it for them to fight Bilal muhammad at this point and risk either losing or risk you know showing some weaknesses against muhammad so he is kind of stuck in a place without a clear you know next matchup but i think the route for him the best move for him is to just say like I'm, I'm your backup, you know. I'm your backup for any of these big fights you're trying to make in the next couple of months or that are already scheduled, you know, Kamaru, Leon Edwards. Like, just sign me up again. So that's the that's the, the route I would take if I'm, if I'm Bilal. Otherwise, yeah, you're going to have to look down the rankings instead of up for the next fight. I, I saw Gilbert Burns get thrown out there. I, I like Gilbert. I like Gilbert more after the Hamzat fight. Respectfully, if you're Bilal, that's not what you want. And, you know, not that, you know, and I think by the rankings, it makes sense and all that stuff. I think that if you're Bilal, though, Gilbert Burns, after you just took on a killer like Luke and Burns coming off a loss, it's great TV and all that. But it feels like a lateral move. If you could get a Hamzat or a Colby on your book, it's only a title shot next. Whereas you beat Burns, you could still be on the sideline. And he obviously doesn't want that. He's been at it for a while. And when you start putting together these long win streaks, you don't want to take a fight like that unless you are boxed out of other options. And yeah, I don't think Bilal, point. I don't think he is there yet. He could be. If everything plays out in favor of the other guys in the next couple months, he will be. But he's not there yet. So I say, you know, no rush. We'll get there. Um, to keep talking about some more stuff. Uh, so this one, you know, this one was just so wild. I could not, um, I just couldn't let it pass up. So on the prelims, Munir Lezez, he gets the victory. Um, I believe it was a decision. And 
he gets his post-fight interview. He says the right things and all this stuff. And then he doubles down. He gets the mic back from Cormier and says, I'd like to thank, you know, my friend, my brother, Daniel Kinahan. And so obviously it seems like, okay, this is an important person. Well, you do a little bit of a Google search. <laughs> Daniel Kinahan. Yeah, I can hear you laughing now. Daniel yeah. Kinahan uh, is an alleged Irish mob boss. And the U.S. government has put a $5 million bounty on him. And um, it wasn't just that Lozez in the moment, but if you watch his post-fight scrum in the back, like posted by MMA Junkie, for example, and some of the other outlets who are there live, he doubles down, this is my friend, this is my brother, but he refuses to comment on any of the other um, legal matters. <laughs> And I got to say, it became one of the most uh, riveting post-fight scrums for a prelim, where I think he was main card, but the fact is an undercard fighter uh, to happen at the apex. And I wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah, it's very interesting. I had just read the name Daniel Kinahan like a few days before the fight, you know, scrolling Yahoo at one in the morning, as, as I have come to do now. And I was like, okay, there's like some weird connection to Tyson Fury, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't give him much attention. Then this pops up. And what's interesting is, yeah, he goes out of his way to thank him in the octagon. Okay. You know, that that's interesting timing considering the $5 million bounty just put on his head. That's like, El, that's a lot of money, right? That's like yep. El Chapo <laughs> money right there. Like you don't get $5 million for nothing. And like okay. El Chapo was only four and a half. Damn. I was gonna say, how much was El Chapo's? I don't remember being that big. Exactly. Okay. And the reporter that was asking the questions was just, you know, so, so good and so relentless. Oh, he um, went full CNN. I'm not going to lie. He did. He did. And then someone's shouting like, hey, ask about the fight. And the guy's like, well, he brought it up. Like he went out of his way to mention this guy's name, this man who's wanted by the U.S. government. For, for you know buying just just buying and distributing cocaine coming out of South America like what's that about okay he's like oh I only want to talk about the fights oh interesting now you change your tune if you just look at the body language though of Munir as soon as this reporter asked the question he kind of like his eyes <laughs> kind of get a little big I don't know if he thought he was gonna get away with mentioning Kinahan and not having to answer questions about it or what but I'm not going to, how do I say it? It seemed to me clearly that Munir Lazez knew the um, current situation that Daniel Kinahan finds himself in and chose to mention the name, but then didn't want to, you know, engage any further in real legitimate questions that were coming his way. So, I mean, <laughs> we'll see how this continues to unfold, but... I'm sure that UFC is going to just just going to say no comment uh, on this one because they don't want to get involved in anything. <laughs> this uh, this Harry would be my guess. Yeah, I saw a couple comments. Oh, they better ask Dana White about that. You guys clearly don't know how this works because Dana White, you know, in the blue moon will maybe maybe talk after a fight night, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, and look, he's probably not scheduled to talk until about roughly a month from now to promote the next pay-per-view. I'm assuming a lot's going to happen between now and then that we're not going to focus on Munir. Um, so I, I want to say this. First off, my heart tells me that uh, Munir Lazez isn't... He has received help, right? Like many yeah. fighters do. He's sponsored sure. and just, look, there's 
a lot of people supporting MMA. Some with, uh, they got some stuff going on that maybe their lawyers have had to deal with, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, or other parties. Uh, That's not nothing new. And most people, you know, I mean, there's a couple, a bunch of the fighters, you've seen them, some of them big names that work with the, the, I believe it's the dictator over there in uh, Europe. On the, uh, oh, Card Car- Kedarov, yeah. Um, look, I mean, you've seen the photos. Everyone has seen it. You, yeah. There is some, you know, are, are some of them, it's like, look, I mean, I wasn't involved in nothing. I was just paid a lot to go out there and shake hands and yeah. do some seminars or something. And, you know, I'm trying to pay my bills. Look, th- that's all uh, everyone's prerogative. So I'm not to say that Munir is not the first one to be seen publicly supporting someone questionable. What I will say is that he is the first one to kind of, uh, he ended up in the perfect storm. He was low enough on the prelims that I don't think that UFCPR was necessarily looking to bail him out. You know, look, if you're doing that to, let's say, um, Dustin Poirier at a press conference, I promise you someone's mic is getting shut off. <laughs> promise you. I've been in that room. I know how the I know how the technical, you know, I know the guy at the the switchboard, you know, could turn off mics and all that. Yeah. Like this. You know. So my point though is that I think that almost Munir found himself in like the wrong spot. He found himself with a reporter who let's be honest, isn't an MMA guy, isn't exactly concerned with a, I'll use the term etiquette and decorum. You know, the the post-fight scrum isn't the place to do hard-hitting journalism, just the right. same way most media events are not there for hard-hitting journalism. Right. I will say, Munir, you go out there, look, whatever you got to do behind closed doors to pay your bills, that's your business. It, whether... What Like I said, on the record, I don't think he's out there doing jobs or has done jobs. However, <laughs> if he's received, look, he's received some kind of help. Munir, that's your business. You, When you went out there on live television and you took the mic, you made it our business. Mm-hmm. And that just is what it is. And yes, like no question, no, no comment, no statement, whatever. Uh, the cat is out of the bag already. And that is, that, that's the end of that, you know? Yep, that's it. Yeah. So, um, and look, this is a guy I, I firmly remember. I mean, he was the breakout star on Fight Island, that run, and Dana White's son's friend, you know, hey, you got to sign this dude. And then he goes out there and he kicks some butt. And oh, that's the guy. Okay. Same guy. And it's okay. like, and now it's like, well, you know, like if they book him for a short notice fight uh, tomorrow, have you talked to your friend lately? <laughs> There's nowhere else you could really go. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that one. Um, and next one, uh, Chris Barnett and Martin Boudet. So Barnett, uh, look, you remember him at Madison Square Gardens. Mm-hmm. Wheel kick knockout, front flips in a way that you don't expect a man his size to be able to front oh, flip. Oh, gosh, no. Yeah. Um, Boudet was giving him the business. He was really starting to just run away with it. They get against the fence. Boudet is trying to do some heavy damage, goes for the elbow, and just, you know, he catches Chris square on the back of the head. And, you know, there's that uh, controversy 
and you think, oh, well, is this about to be, you know, uh, go to the judges' scorecards, can't continue, which we're going to talk about a similar thing we thought would happen the night before. Uh, is it about to be ruled a no contest? And instead, it was ruled an unintentional blow, but all the same, um, Boudet gets the victory without penalty. What were your thoughts on this one? It's so strange. It's coming off of, you know, we had the rematch for, for Aljo and Piotr Jan where, you know, the first one there was an intentional illegal blow. DQ, win goes to Aljo, and not only that, but he gets the belt. So here, just because it was unintentional, like Chris Barnett ends up like losing twice, right? He got hit on the back of the head, and the doctor decides that he can't continue but not only does he is he not allowed to continue and try for like a Hail Mary, right, uh, before the fight ends, but he doesn't even get the win. He ends up getting the loss because they go to the card. So it was strange. I uh, Look, sometimes you think you know the rules, and then something like this happens, and you're like, oh, I guess I don't know all the rules. There's always like a weird, you know, loophole for something cuckoo like this to happen. So... At the end, I just feel bad for Chris Barnett. You could see how upset he was um, because, like I said, you either get a chance for redemption or you get the win because someone someone attacked you with an illegal move. Like, it wasn't only an elbow at the back of the head. It was a you know, north-south elbow. That's like a double whammy. Uh, it was it was really strange. Did Do you, when you were watching this, did you expect that outcome? Like, were you like, uh, you know, Herb Dean 2, 2.0, and you're like, yeah, those are the rules. He's going to come out with the win. Uh, okay, so here's the thing, like, you almost, it, it's like we see different things, so I actually wasn't sure, I was like, oh, dang, it's like, well, is he about to get a no contest out of this, you know, I didn't think it might, it would be a DQ, I'll tell you that, Yeah. but then, you know, so I'm like, okay, we're over the halfway point, so no contest probably isn't in the cards anymore, that being said, like, okay, we remember the Peter Jan Aljo thing, obviously, right, we just talked yeah. about the rematch, then I remember like Diego Sanchez, Michelle Pereira, and Diego ended up getting the dub over Pereira, even though he was clearly losing that one. That's right, that's right. And then you have this one, and it's like, what, what, seriously? And I think even Barnett was like, you know, like I said, he, all right, he's already losing the fight, but now you're gonna, you know, the other guy gets away with that, and I'm not saying. Do I think there was a bit of heat of the moment thing? Yes, I don't think Boudet is a dirty fighter. Let me make that clear. Right. That being said, I feel like we've seen the rules in many cases go in favor of the fighter who took the illegal blow. And somehow Chris Barnett ended up getting the short end of the stick. And I was like, how the heck does that happen? So, but yeah, um, like, look, it, it's all, what is it? Some of those cases are subjective when you feel like they shouldn't be, but somehow they are. Yeah. And I think that's just exactly what we got. And I'm not going to lie. It, it was uh, rather surprising. But um, yeah, look, uh, I think Boudet was on his way to winning that one. But look, you land an illegal blow, you, you don't get the dub. Right. That's, that's the, the rule. Thing. That's the rule. <laughs> yeah. No, or at least. Mm, point you get some kind of penalty, right? Or, or, or look, like. He loses the round. He should lose a point. That still makes it 10-8. It's a three-rounder. It would have been a draw. It's like... Uh, I just didn't like it, but... You know. He was on his way to winning. That doesn't mean you should get away with it, but he was on his way to winning. 
I'll, I'll give him that. So yeah, that's where we are. But yeah, um, look, uh, I'm very aware it wasn't, um, it was not an all-time classic fight night that's going to go down in UFC history like UFC London last month. But it was still, you know, look, some fights, uh, some good fights. Some people got the job done. Obviously for Bilal, you moving around. So it was another solid fight night. Bellator 277 on Friday, Natalie. Oh my. Um, Patricio Pitbull. It was like y'all must have forgot. It just, um, he was all business all week. I talked to him. Everything's short sentences. Everything's all business with him. And really, uh, the story of that fight was just his timing and shot selection. He never bit on the fakes of AJ. He just, um, a little bit like Peter Yan, just tight defense and moved, found his spots to surge forward with a combo outlanded him and it just felt like AJ he was he, he didn't let the hands go enough and I felt like he was just looking for like a big moment to stun Pitbull like he didn't want to get in there and just bang with this little tank he was just looking to like chop away at him and get him to react to him so he could counter and Pitbull never gave that like Peter like I said he just really you know stayed the course eyes on the target you had the big dramatic moment with the guillotine mm -hmm. aj struggles to get a few takedowns he gets a few shots in but they're just coming infrequently and um yeah like first round was close you know it starts getting a little tighter a little later but when i was done with it i was like this is a very clear pitbull fight and the judges saw it the same way yeah you know it was a. Uh... It was interesting. Uh, first of all, I like I like the comparison between Pitbull and Piotr Young because it's very apt. For sure, you see a similar fight style, similar mindset, pressure, just <laughs> Terminator finding the target and, and continuing to push. So that's right on. AJ McKee, I like the way he came out. You know, that first opening move, the big kick. He had, to me, he had good energy. Um, he was moving well, that long, rangy you know, punching that he was doing. I kind of thought he, he did win at the end, though. Um, now, you know, I respect your opinion a lot, and so I, I feel like now i got to go back and watch this one. I, I thought he could have... I thought it was close, but I, I thought, oh, this could be AJ's fight. And he certainly did. He was he was really shocked at the end there. Was that just for effect, or did he really feel like he won? I don't know. But what you get here at the in the end is you know, a rubber match, right? So it's gone one and one. And I think if I'm Bellator, I'm trying to book this sooner rather than later, like maybe summer or early fall to get this settled. Um, but yeah, I mean, Pitbull is just, I feel like classic Pitbull. And he, we've seen this in, 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 you know, rematches or when it's personal and he really wants to make sure he gets the win. He's just steady, man. He's just steady, and he's so focused. And so, you know, obviously it paid off for him here. I thought AJ looked good, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm second-guessing myself here now. i got to go back and look at this fight again. Yeah, I mean, it, it was competitive, especially in the later rounds. But uh, like I said, I, I just had a hard time seeing that one for AJ. Um, I think that uh, I'm going to compare him, and this is a, I want to make clear compliment. A little bit like John Jones in fights, kind of like with Gustafsson. Not his more recent fights, like with Anthony Smith and Tiago, but 
you remember like when he's you know taking on machida taking on yeah. gus the first time um a bit of daniel cormier and it's like he's not there to like fight a conventional oh jab jab cross you know fin- start here finish here He's so long and rangy and unorthodox, and he just leans into that. I'm going to get you with the back elbow. I'm going to go for this. I'm going to try to spin. I'm going to, you know, make you feel my presence. And it felt like AJ was trying to do some of that, and it just, like I said, he was, people wasn't giving him the openings. Yeah. And now look, was that necessarily a bad fight for AJ? No, it wasn't like he was getting blown out in any of these rounds. But I felt like, being cage side, I felt like I was starting to see a bit of the frustration, like, you know, this guy, like, the jar isn't getting cracked open. Like, and, you know, like, no matter what I'm doing, you know, turning the can opener on the can, I'm just not able to get it to crack and spill it out and run away with it. And look, it's been a long time since AJ hasn't been able to do that, right? So I think that a big part of this fight was really, um, really just decided right there and... Credit to Pitbull. He showed just how good he is. He showed why he's been one of the best fighters of the last several years at featherweight and really across all the weight classes. And now we talk about the aftermath. So AJ said he's done with 155. He kind of hinted that to me, but he was aware. I think there's a lot of business being flexed into the rematch. And we talked about it. You know, AJ... Do they want to give him a shot at 55 if he's already saying he's going to leave in free agency after two fights now? You know, maybe not. And now AJ, though, it's like, okay, well, I want to fight and I want to make this the easiest route possible. So I'll rematch people at 45. And now Patricio, and he did tell me straight up, I'm done with 55. 45 is my weight class. Yeah. So now we have this catch 22. I don't think AJ gets an immediate 155 title shot. If you tell me he's going to fight Patricky Pitbull, I personally <laughs> think that's the most intriguing fight at 55. Sorry, Brent Primus. Sorry, Benson Henderson. That's automatically like, dude, this is already one of the best fights you can make. Yeah. Even yeah. though he just lost. Now, though, it's like balls in Pitbull's court. What does AJ want to do? Would AJ settle for you know, someone else at 55? Are they going to really push to make 45 in the trilogy? I, I don't know. I really don't. There's options for Pitbull. You have Adam Boric. You have Aaron Pico. Um, there's places you could go with this. But for sure, um, it, there's no direct line for either of these guys. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's 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 a tricky one, <laughs> A tricky, tricky. Uh, that would be a great fight, of course, because for many reasons, just the challenge alone. But obviously, the brother, the brotherhood there, and uh, and AJ being someone that's gotten already under the skin of of uh, Pitbull. Um, yeah, that's definitely tying the hands of Bellator a little bit, right? But not really, because yeah, as I think it out, like. If he really is done with 45, if AJ's done with 45 and Pitbull's done with 55, uh, AJ going up, there's that's that is a no-brainer. Like Bellator's been pretty comfortable with giving newcomers, and in this case, it would be someone new to the division, 
Uh, but other occasions, it's been someone new to the promotion, like Benson Henderson. You know, when they come in, they get a title shot immediately based on the previous pedigree. So this lines up with that, you know, that strategy that they've been employing. I think that would be the move for AJ, and Pitbull probably doesn't care about being able to fight AJ again. That would be my guess. He probably just wants to, you know, sort of like a Shevchenko, just keep him coming. So that seems like the most likely outcome then at this point, even though I would like to see the rubber match and get a resolution here. Um, AJ has an opportunity to sort of symbolically complete the rubber match by fighting Pitbull's brother, Patricky, and then... And then we'll see. That could open up another fight with Pitbull down the line if he wants revenge for his brother. Uh, yeah, that's kind of where I see it going then. So one thing I will say, kind of like, let's say, Kayla Harrison had lost the PFL final. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, free agency, the gas is really taken out of the sales, right? Indeed, yeah. Yeah, you know, we're talking about, hey, you know, is this going to be immediate title shot? Is this going to be, you know, like the Michael Chandler route? for AJ and UFC at the end of next year or something like that and instead um you know it it did leave me scrambling and look once again AJ's what mid 20s 18 and 1 he's got so much he's got so much more left in the tank that I don't think he should really worry about that that being said, uh, I think that the idea of get it, coming in, max contracts, stuff like that, I will say that ship unfortunately sailed. Yeah. And look, that, that's not to say that he can't still keep growing and maturing and make some noise and get a good contract. But right off the bat, if he were to try to make that jump Bellator to UFC, the time to secure that big deal um, kind of evaporated on Friday, so... Like I said, um, now his matchmaking becomes more important. Pitbull, he's kind of done everything that everything's just going to be like, look, you know, just keep lining them up. Yeah. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko style. Are they young? Are they vets? I don't care. Just Let's just keep the conveyor belt rolling now that we've got the AJ fight out of the way. But yeah, d- definitely a lot of questions from there about the future. We'll find out as the months go on for sure. But then we can't leave without talking about this co-main event. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm telling you, Vadim looked good, he looked strong. Corey gets the takedown, and then they just kind of keep going. And then second round, Corey really starts to take over, and it's like, okay, Vadim gets up, and it's like, okay, that seemed like a good morale boost at the end of the round. And then it just seems like you could really see the power bar cross from green to yellow in the third round when Corey takes down Vadim. Yeah, You know, it looks like, okay, we may be 1-1, could be up 2-0, Corey, but Vadim's still not out. And then, man, just, uh, it happens, just, uh, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't have a good angle of that one particularly, but you see the replay and it's, you know, boom, headbutt, he's cut, okay. And then we're like, oh, man, well, um, you know, blah, 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 like, uh, we're gonna go to a decision, it's gonna be... Is it going to be a DQ? Is it, okay, we're just going to go to the scorecards after three because we, quote-unquote, crossed the threshold. And, you know, um, Natalie, the check goes into the cage. Corey Anderson's name on it is on it, I think. (laughs) And, you know, the nice people at Bellator shuttle that 
check back out of the cage and it's like oh <laughs> that's like you know a, a a gif is worth a thousand words right wow and um they call it no contest and oh. so the, the thing about this is that uh accidental however because it's a five round fight it had to complete the third round in order to go which means despite the fact that there were only three seconds left that counts oh as an gosh. incomplete round that's why it's no contest that's why there was no winner to the grand prix on friday <sighs> and when asked about it they said well you know like do you wish they'd just let it go three seconds and i Scott was kind of like yeah but then they explained it and we saw the cut and it's like you know what three seconds on a cut like that believe it or not it is potentially life-threatening like you know he was starting to go full nate diaz I, I think they said like look you could see deep i think if you look closely you could see his bone oh you know what i it's a freak accident but the fact is that cut was bad um look three seconds later it's a different story but that's not what we got what were your thoughts you know, my first thought was this always happens at Bellator events. Like they, they build up these great, and it's usually the tournaments or some kind of really big other buildup. And then it falls flat. I can't remember what the other ones were, but I feel like there was one. Was it Ryan Bader? Was it the, the, the low blow? Or who was it that had? Oh, no, it was Matt Mitrion. Yeah. It was um, Mitrion. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there was another one, too, where you're just like all this anticipation and the deflation. So. This one, this one was just another another case of bad bad luck for the uh, Bellator main card there. So, yeah, Corey Anderson was about to 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 really turn it up, and that headbutt, you know, he probably regrets being so honorable and like you know going out of his way to point out that it was an accidental headbutt. Uh, but oh, yeah, he that, mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah, the cut the cut was was gnarly. Ah, uh, yeah, three seconds. You think you could probably, probably another punch could have landed and 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 made it would have made it worse. There's no, there's no doubt there. But, ooh, that's a tough pill to swallow. If I'm Corey Anderson, man, that's tough. Especially, I didn't know about the check thing. That's <laughs> what was the crowd reaction? You know, you were there, and were they uh, booing? Were they? Oh yeah, they felt like they just saw Corey overcome adversity in the first round. Like, yeah. You know, he struggled to get Vadim down. Then he was getting it together. Vadim, like I said, he rallied back and then Corey's really running away with it. So they felt like, you know, ah, you know, no one wants, everyone wants some kind of resolution, right? Like, look at everything with Aljo and Peter. It's like, no, yep. we want this over with. So the fact that it's like, well, who's going to win? Who's going to lose? It's like, well, now all of that is like just evaporated. And, you know, Corey threw the logs on the fire and he gets up there and he's like, I'm the champ and all that. Yeah. And, uh, we got clips of it. And yeah, it, it was just re really unfortunate. Um, uh, Scott Coker says he wants to run it back August, September. Corey said, I'm aware that that's going to take some plastic surgery to fix cuts like that. So he said, I don't know. He said, I... I uh, he he's worried that Vadim's gonna. I don't. Want, uh, he used the word milk it, but essentially like you know push this to 2023, and it's like Corey Anderson's like. I mean, I don't want to wait that long, obviously. So I don't know, but I will say like, okay. So for example, we would have ended that on Friday. Uh, this Friday, a week later, we would have been kicking off the Bantamweight Grand Prix, right? Yeah. 
instead it's like well we're you know like we can't finish one book and we got to start the next one that's what it feels like it's like yeah. oh, you know and look like you look at Aljo and Peter you feel like you knew what was going to happen you get the rematch and now it's like well you know it's like I said we didn't get a resolution and that was the most frustrating thing it's totally frustrating did anyone mention you know with Corey feeling like he didn't want to wait or you know rightfully so not wanting to wait till next year a possibility of an interim belt yeah but he said because uh, here's the thing the Grand Prix is still on the line so the million dollars is still on the line so wow. so it's like hypothetically let's say he fights somebody else for an interim right like just they're not giving him the check so anything could happen would you take another fight and possibly risk your shot at a million dollars that you already earned once you're already on your way to winning once Mm, good point and look that sucks for Corey. if you know it's a long time but it's like here we are here we are so it's just tough. Like I said, that just adds to the situation. So, but I did ask Corey, and he said, "Nah, you know, like my focus is the title and everything else, right? Even though it wasn't about the million, you know, it's like that's still on the book, right?" So yeah, <sighs> it was quite the night at Bellator. <laughs> quite the week for me. Let me tell yeah. you, I haven't had that much to do in a long time. It was a little, uh, it was a uh, long, but it was a good long. Good, exciting. So, right on. Yeah. Um, Natalie, uh, we're going to ramp it up toward, you know, the the, the weekend. But uh, so we're going to start slowly. Believe it or not, we're already almost at fight night. This Wednesday, so 48-ish hours from now, the PFL officially returns for Season 4, not Challenger Series. They are kicking off the road to a million dollars for everybody. Um, it's going to be headline. By Clay Collard, who you guys will remember last year, made the playoffs, shocked Anthony Pettis. And he's headlining against USC veteran Jeremy Stevens. Um, Natalie, I like Clay Collard. He's a nice guy. He's getting the main event against Jeremy, even though there are two champions on the card. Rash Monfio and uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. You know what? I'm okay with that because he Clay Collard is puts on a good show especially the one against anthony pettis like that is stamped in my brain for how well he just neutralized oh you know outstruck just everything like clay collard blew me away and so if i'm pfl i totally want the guy who's going to give me the most entertaining fight to be my headliner i think it's the right move like you know, PFL doesn't have a lot of barn burners. A lot of the fighters there, you know, can be grapple heavy. This is this is going to help with the highlight reels and, and help to get you attention. So I actually think it's the right move. Jeremy Stevens also, obviously, that's a big name. Now, I'm putting the weight on Clay Collard, but does it probably have more to do with Jeremy Stevens? Yeah, probably, as I say it out loud. So, over two defending champs. Yeah, but like... Two of them, not one, two of them. no offense to PFL, but like, if I'm not looking at them on a piece of paper, the names, I I couldn't, I couldn't have told you the names of the two champs that we're going to be fighting. All right, all right. And look, we've talked about it, right? It's just so hard to get that gas going on a lot of these guys, right? Even when they perform well. Um, 
Loki, I think that, well, you should put other guys in the main event then, but I, I, I see your point. I see you had the decision was reached, but I still, if, if I'm shoe face and I'm Manfio, <laughs> I'm like, seriously? That's <laughs> you know, like, seriously? Uh, look, um, steal the show, boys. Uh, what else can we do? You know, but um, the, the money is still good no matter what. Um, and then Natalie, I think you got to then ask the question, season four. They've been here. A, a minute now you've had a lot to discuss and break down and all this other stuff what are your expectations for season four well i'm not sure what to expect i think they're doing the right thing by continuing to add you know veteran names from i guess most of the ufc that's the that's a great move jeremy stevens is still a killer he's still dangerous and against clay collard that's a very exciting matchup and, you know, you have your champions, yes. You want to... The drama there is in just seeing, can they get past the first round, right? Like, there is drama built into having returning champions, def, you know, try to reclaim the belt. And then also, you know, Anthony Pettis, he's back, right? I mean, not in this, not, not on this night, but he's back too. I have to look. I, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. And then, you know, apart from that, like, the biggest name at PFL is still Kayla Harrison. So everyone, well, I, I want to see her fight. I think anyone who's an MMA fan still wants to see her fight. So there are definitely things to be excited for. But if we're just talking about, you know, night one, I'm looking forward to the main event. So I think that talking about, you know, season four, I think the real key is just you, you, you gave the bag to Kayla Harrison. Okay, we're good. I get it probably the smartest move you could have made if you're pfl now you gotta get me invested in everybody who's not kayla and you've had a couple years to do it and i know some of it you know there's been some injuries there have been some shockers but if you're going to talk about a pay-per-view series which we're going to discuss right now i think for me it look okay and maybe this is a to your point, a great move for Clay Collard. Okay, you want to build this guy. You want to build a non-UFC name. You got to get him out there. You got to get him to get recognized. Okay. I think that if you keep just same storyline over and over, oh, it's just the same three or four guys at the end of every season, there's just no parody. And that just, when you're already not the UFC and the Bellators of the world, that already leads to just, you know, lack of investment. There's already so much MMA out there. There's already so much big branding and recognition to the talent level in the other leagues that it's hard to be like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to invest this time in what already may be seen as a subpar event. Mm -hmm. It's on them to change that. And that was never going to be an overnight thing. But now three years in. I kind of need a shake-up to the status quo. It needs to be more than Kayla. It needs to be more than Ray Cooper III. And I think that, you know, I'm really interested to see how they get these names out there in Season 4. Because, um, really, if, uh, you, if it just plays out the same way as last year, we got to start talking about, can they actually get over the hump? Or are they, you know, at a certain point, you got to start turning it into a Bellator 
and it can't just be in the fight sphere fight bubbles you're gonna need to actually put some butts in the seats if you're talking about reaching longevity and maybe that's where Kayla and the pay-per-view series comes in but short term uh, you just got a uphill battle yeah um, the pay-per-view series so not this year it's gonna be next year it's gonna run quarterly and the PFL head honcho confirmed that it is going to be Kayla Harrison. She's essentially not going to be a in the regular season. She's going to be a pay-per-view fighter. Mm. And so you have a regular season, but then you're going to have fighters. Essentially, they are not in the season. They are just PFL pay-per-view fighters, male or female. Yeah. That, to me, I just... I get it, but then I almost feel like, well, what are we going to do with this? Because, okay, so it's not going to be Pettis, Collard, uh, Clarissa Shields, blah, blah, blah. Okay, who are you getting to fill up a pay-per-view? Because, okay, at at least before you kind of had an idea, all right, like, let's do some PFL dream matchmaking for the first pay-per-view. Who do they got? Who do we want to see? Make that a pay-per-view. Okay. Now you're talking about, oh, well, we're going to sign people to the pay-per-view series who don't necessarily, the season format doesn't work for them. I'm like, respectfully, who does the season format work for if you're an under, if you're not an underdog? Yeah. Like all the top stars would rather just fight their biggest fights and get the most money out of it right off the bat. And, you know, the real season format, it works for a lot of these guys who are not about to break the bank in another league you know if a ufc or bellator which is fine you know they found great talent through this pfl but i was like outside of one or two fights for kayla and ray and something i don't know that you have a 50 60 dollar pay-per-view on your hands and which in which case i'm like where are we where are we going with this and we've had this conversation a few times but now that we have more concrete details what are your thoughts on it i think it's a terrible idea because it's gonna you know it could potentially lose you could cost could potentially cost you fans because exactly right who do they have to build out a pay-per-view card okay that's going to make fans who are already paying 74.99 for ufc and then whatever subscription fees they're paying for ESPN Plus, uh, Showtime, uh, and and a UFC Fight Pass for other smaller promotions, and now you're gonna throw another pay-per-view um, event in the roster of of you know <laughs> of fights, and for what? For who to watch Kayla demolish another you know unknown 155er? to watch Ray Cooper demolish another competitor. Usually that's the case when he fights. It doesn't make any sense. It seems like a ploy, like a play from PFL to appease their bigger names to make them feel like, hey, you're going to be on a pay-per-view. This is this is the big time. But what value is that? Is there in that if there's very little interest, if the card is weak, and if if the price is too high and, and like at, at what number is even is even fair i'm thinking like 
uh, maybe I'd pay ten dollars hmm. for a PFL pay-per-view, fifteen, twenty. I'm tugging at my collar, and not because there isn't going to be one good fight on there, but because for the collection of fights that I suspect you'll be able to assemble, there's no way that's that's going to be paper worth pay-per-view worthy. I'm already paying, you know, whatever the I do the bundle, so I don't know what the breakdown is for ESPN Plus, but I'm already paying that to watch your fights. It doesn't make any sense. I don't like it. It might have just been what they had to do to keep Kayla Harrison, but I need I need to see some spectacular names on these pay-per-views uh, for me to get excited about it, and I need to see a fair price point. $30, $40, I'm not happy about that. I gotta be honest, you're gonna have to pay more than I think they're ready to. <laughs> I think that they're gonna make it happen like, okay, I'll give you what? Okay, you got Kayla Harrison. If you could get Jake Paul's MMA debut, you could sell that pay-per-view. If you yeah. could get someone yeah. like that, you could sell that pay-per-view. Just with the what's available on the market right now, I look, people already don't feel like every pay-per-view every ufc pay-per-view is worth the the ticket right for to pay to watch mm -hmm. on tv yeah exactly exactly where, where do you think you're going with this so bellator bellator hasn't discussed that at all in years people don't even ask scott coker about it you watch these things they don't bring it up and i think it's because it's pretty clear why yeah. um so you you go here you you have that you uh, like uh, I think you we, you nailed it. Just part of it, you know, to give something new to the stars, maybe to entice a couple other free agents, you know, like hey, if your contract is up and it's like, oh well, I can, I can make a million in three fights whether I win or lose. But if I fight PFL, I only fight a million. I only get a million if I win them all. Yeah. Then they're like, oh, pay per view? What? You're gonna pay me how much? Okay, let's talk. That's the only way I see this working, but. I don't think the goal is to knock out on pay-per-view. I'm sure they'd like to. I just don't think that that's realistic. Yeah. And if I'm wrong, then God bless. But I feel like we've seen this tried many times now and seen the result. Um, not for nothing, one championship has an event this week. So in case you didn't have enough uh, domestic <laughs> MMA, we now have, you know premium mma from out of country you know what i mean yeah and then bellator double header uh you got chris cyborg arlene blanco juliana velasquez liz carmuch juan archuleta rofion stotts you got the wild cards uh you got the return of alima mcfarland um any chance to see someone like chris cyborg perform i'm down for i will say the big question for me coming out of this weekend does Chris Cyborg make the noise enough that we demand the business to change? Because I asked Scott Coker, are you talking about to anyone else about co-promotion right now? Yeah. He told me, no, we've known the Ryzen guys for a long time. There's a level of trust there. Uh. I read that between the lines. We'd love to do other stuff. However, there's a lot of things we've got to figure out before we start having conversations with uh, Mr. Kayla Harrison, the PFL. Yeah. You know? And by Mr. Kayla Harrison, I mean, like, you know, she's the pant wear in that relationship. <laughs> before, you know. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, she's she's calling the shots. 
Yeah. Um, she should, right? If she's PFL not... pay- pays her, but she's still the breadwinner. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I like that. You should put on a t-shirt. Yeah, but <laughs> like, like Mr. Van Sant, like Mr. Like Harrison. Mr. Yeah, yep. PFL is Mr. Harrison when they're in the relationship with Kayla. I want to, <laughs> I want to give that context. Yep. Anyway. But yeah, so um, look, I, I think that that's the one. Uh, can Liz shock Juliana? Obviously, this is a big one for her. But if she wins, I mean, girl, maybe you need to talk about free agency and Valentina Shevchenko because really what's left for you over there? So, yeah, those are my two big things coming out of this weekend. What about you? I'm happy, very happy about Bellator returning to Hawaii. So, you know, no matter who was fighting, I, I would tune in. But this is a fun card. I'm excited for this. Liz Carmouche, you know, sometimes she just tries to grapple you. Sometimes she makes it a little more exciting. But this is a good fight. I don't think she's going to be able to, to, to beat Juliana Velasquez. But um, if she does, I don't think that, you know, free agency is, a, is an option and the upward trajectory, meaning returning to UFC, like, if I'm Luz Carmouche, I stay at Bellator. I fight who they give me to fight. I'm happy. I'm respected. I ride off into the sunset. Chris Cyborg, you make a great point, and it's a little disappointing as you as we get closer to her, you know, uh, her uh, retirement. Not that it's around the corner, but let's be real, it's coming sooner rather than later. Um, and I'm disappointed because you know you're never gonna get to see her fight Kayla Harrison. You're never gonna get to see her get the rematch with Nunes. That's just how it looks today, 2022, right? I don't see that happening unless, unless, you know, Scott Coker can can learn can 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 get some trust with UFC, uh, with PFL, and or Chris Cyborg becomes a free agent and is able to sign like one-off deals, <laughs> you know, with UFC for one fight, uh, PFL for one fight. That would be amazing, you know. If anyone has the power still to make something like that happen, it is Chris Cyborg. So. You know, that's something to, to wonder about. I'm also excited to see. So Lima Lay McFarland, right, back in Hawaii, that's always a show within itself. doesn't matter who she's fighting. I'm excited to see that. And, and like I said, in Hawaii, Bellator, I'm, I'm happy about it no matter what. So I'll be tuning in for sure. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see if she goes all out. She's not the main event. I don't even, even think she's the co-main for her card. So I don't know. I know she's going to get the reception, but I don't know if the whole parade is going to accompany her like it usually does so yeah. that's going to be one to watch but um not for sure i think they're they got some good matchups going in and then to top it off uh ufc this saturday uh jessica andrage moves back to strawweight she's taking on her countrywoman amanda lemos um really look uh, amanda another solid contender top 10 climbing the ladder I couldn't help but feel like somehow Jessica Andrade ended up at this fight a little precariously. Like, uh, just quite simply, you're you're talking to a girl like her only loss was to Rose Namajunas after losing the title to Zhang Li. She was doing okay. She fought for the title at 125. She came back and she's, you know, she beat Kaylin Chukagian, top contender. She beat Cynthia Calvillo. And now she was moving down, uh, you know, I think just process of, of elimination. They just didn't want to give someone like a Marina Rodriguez, like a um, Carla Sparza, obviously, to Jessica Andrade. But then somehow we ended up here. 
So all that to say, I think that it's going to take a great effort. Anything can happen, but uh, I feel very confident in Andrade's abilities this Saturday. What about you? I'm with you 100%. Um, not to say it's like a tune-up for her return to Strawway, but you know we can look at both fighters, look at their records, look at their highlight reels, their greatest performances, their strongest assets, and Andrade comes out on top most of the time with any comparison to Lemos, not to discount her skills, discount her skills, but Andrade is still top dog, right? And, and most, and you know, she's fought in all three divisions and she's still at the top in all three of those divisions. She could hang with, with, with the 135ers. It would be harder, but she could do it. You know, Shevchenko's just leaps and bounds above the rest of that division. So when you look at that fight, you know, Andrade got owned, she got crucifixed and, and that was it. But, she could still hang with anybody else there. All I'm saying is Andrade is still someone to be fearful of. And in this matchup, the the, the story does not change. So Andrade is probably going to do a little back and forth with Limos at round one. Round two, she's going to get, you know, warmed up. She'll be warmed up, I should say. Start landing those bombs. I mean, she hits harder than anybody, and and across all three divisions, uh, apart from Nunez, right? Like the power of one punch landing. Shevchenko doesn't even have that with in her fist, right? She has it with her kicks. So, Andrade is going to do her, as you say, her gangster, and she's going to get after it. Uh, probably round two or three TKO, but probably round two, frankly. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, look, Lemos. Uh... Four five fight win streak. Obviously, it has done well. She's only got one loss in her career, but this is a big step up. You're talking about, uh, you know, her biggest win right now, is split decision over Angela Hill. Jessica Andrade is a completely different animal. And look, I, I think we're not talking about it because they don't have the same amount of hype. But you're talking about number ten fighting arguably like a top three. This is like Hamza jumping up to fight Gilbert Burns. You know, they, yeah. you, you gotta. You got to put it into context what Lemos is coming up against. And look, once again, I think that whether it's just they didn't want to, you know, have Andrade shake up a little bit of their plans at 115 by giving her another top three girl. Okay, but this is still a very elite level fighter, a fighter who's held gold. And uh, yeah, for Lemos, it's going to be a big challenge. But I think the physicality just... uh. Lemos is another one, good at everything, doesn't, uh, you know, kind of just adept at everything, but doesn't have that one super strong trait or that one big athletic gift. I think the physicality of Andrade, especially over five rounds, just starts to break her down. So, <sighs> Jessica Andrade for the win. Um, I believe that is one, two, three, five fight cards from Wednesday to Saturday night. Wow. That's a full plate of MMA. Get your DVRs ready. Yep. So that brings our show full circle. We've talked about everything. Um, Natalie, uh, it's been another great episode. I don't even want to start talking about next week. More <laughs> PFL, more UFC. Uh, Rob Font, Chito Vera. I mean, that that's a good fight. Um, anytime you get to see Chito and just he's kind of on that revenge tour, you know, just... He lost to Aldo, and now he's you know he's got the win over Sean O'Malley. He's looking to make his mark. I, I think it's good. So, looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing Font out there. And guys, thanks for tuning in. 
See you next week.